You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We previewed about half the games on our Thursday show. We'll get them all wrapped up today. So that means a preview of every single SEC football game. And it's brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. It's an online event ticket marketplace that's dedicated to providing fans live entertainment with experiences that can last a lifetime. Vivid helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theaters, and more, all through the Vivid Seats app. That is Vivid. And the rewards program is through the roof. How about 10 to 16% credit on all purchases if you use the app? He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. Check out LandryFootball.com. We are going to preview several games, including LSU, Florida, Kentucky, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Missouri. But uh, first, let's start with one uh, quick note about uh, Tennessee. I just uh, uh, picked up Tennessee sold about 23,000 cups of uh, beer in the first day that they decided to sell alcohol in Neyland Stadium. Uh, do you think that helped? <laughs> I don't know. I um, maybe you know. Uh, you know, it, it's tough. I know that um, it, it, it's at least this. The fan base is really good. I know at UCLA for the Oklahoma game, they are literally giving tickets to any fans that want them. I mean, walk up, you can go in. I mean, it's like a gymnastics meet. You know, you walk in there for free. It's so no. It's uh, listen. Maybe maybe uh, a little alcohol is required for watching Tennessee football this year, but. <laughs> Um, no, I listen, I, I think obviously the one thing I said before, I think that they, they played hard last week. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but I don't know. I don't know what type of effect it's going to have. The beers are an average of $12 and 50 cents. I would imagine it's a, it's that way across the country. Uh, have you ever paid double digit for a regular size beer? You know, I'm not an alcohol drinker at all, so I couldn't tell you what a six-pack runs, uh, a couple beer runs, but I would just say that uh, without knowing that that's really good. So what is so what is a six-pack run, for example? How does that come? What does what I mean? What I mean? Any, how does that compare? So if you get, I know there's a million. You go down the aisle, there's a million types of beer, so I know they're, they're, they depends, but that seems awfully high to me. That. Yeah, it is. It is really high. Um, my friends tell me I wouldn't know personally, Chris, but my friends tell me <laughs> that um, like a 20 ounce beer at the convenience store is probably two or three dollars. Uh, but twelve fifties, a, a lot more. Uh, I tell you one team that probably could uh, use some beer before we get to the uh, previews is uh, LSU. I find this story so entertaining they go to texas and ed orgeron who you know and i know i think he throws out wild and crazy stuff i don't even think he thinks about it <laughs> he talked about the air conditioning wasn't turned on in lsu's locker room when they went to texas and so the school did a complete uh research on it they were able to prove the average temperature and that the thermostat was set my goodness, back in the day, this would have just been a fun story, but now we're in a situation where it appears as if Texas has to disprove Ed Orgeron's random ramblings. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. And then, you know, in Texas complains about, uh, what is it? Uh, was it Clyde Edwards-Alaire? One of the, I can't remember who, what player LSU put a horns down signal. So now Texas is complaining. They sent it in. Uh, well, I don't know who they sent it in. I guess they sent it in to the Big 12. I, you know, you know not a Big 12 game, a half Big 12 game. Um, uh, you know, I just don't know where we are today. I mean, we're talking about deals where <laughs> I don't think it's really all that relevant. I can't imagine. Listen, gamesmanship in terms of uh, facilities and things like that are often done. But I don't know. I, I don't know how you can approve the temperature or disprove it. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I just I just got to tell you, let's remind folks they're going to Tiger Stadium next year. So this story's probably not finished. Let's let's pause. <laughs> let's pause it and let's say that uh, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, next year. What if they just left the lion, uh, or Mike? The, it's not it, the lion. Excuse okay. me, Mike. Yeah. The, Mike the tiger. What if they just left him in the Texas locker room next year? That's well, you, you you know the you know uh, how LSU does it. That's a tradition, um, and I you know they haven't. Um, They've gotten a lot of feedback from what's the organization? Is it, uh, the PETA, the, or, you know, yeah. one of the animal rights, well, they would put yeah. traditionally what LSU's done. They have a cage for Mike, the tiger, and it's a big cage that they pull behind a, a pickup truck and they drive it around the stadium and they have a microphone and they kind of poke the screen and the microphone, I mean, they get him a little going and he lets out a growl and I'm talking. It's pretty, it's pretty loud to hear a live tiger. <laughs> I mean, I can remember even as a youngster going to games, and you'd be sitting up pretty high, and that thing was loud. I mean, I couldn't imagine. Well, what they do when they're done, they park it just outside of the visitor's locker room. So when the team comes out, it's like the thing that, that's just right at them is there's this big live tiger in a cage, and they've been known to kind of poke it and prod it. And, you know, when I, when I work with Jeff Fisher with the Titans, uh, I don't know if people remember this, but there was a famous game in 1979. USC was number one in the country and LSU was playing them. And it was the famous 12, seven game where, um, USC ended up beating LSU, but LSU had them on the ropes and a controversial win, but there's still Brad buddy, Ronnie lot, uh, Carlton Williamson, Jeff Fisher, a lot of great players. Paul McDonald, Charles White, loaded USC team. They to this day because they're they're not that familiar with it. They still talk about it. at 50, 60 years old. They talk about, damn, when I came out of that, that locker room and that, that tiger is growling. A said guy, a guy, you you could see the whites of players' eyes coming out, and it's pretty intimidating. So it's something that was done, I think, back into the Huey Long days. So, um, yeah, I would imagine that they would uh, <laughs> it would be real, uh, real interesting to see what type of shenanigans might take place next year. I walked up to Mike the Tiger's cage, and before the game, before the teams had taken the field, and I just wanted to get that close to such a beautiful animal and it looked at me and it didn't roar but it hissed like a cat and i got away from that cage as fast <laughs> as i possibly could i've never been so intimidated by another animal 
I mean, just the hiss, like a like a cat hissing, but at about 20 decibels. And I was like, I'm getting out of here. That's amazing. It's a beautiful animal. But one quick little story, then we move on. So when I was coaching at LSU, it was a transition of one of the tigers. So they literally bought a baby Bengal tiger. And, and literally, it, they had him on a leash. And I actually um, held him. Uh, oh, what cool. I, yeah, but, uh, well, you know, when I say not like a baby held him, like I was, you know, like on my knees kind of holding him. Well, their, their hands are like adult size when they're babies. So like a baby Bengal tiger is like, like a, a, a little kid putting on their dad's slippers and walking. That's kind of what it looked like. And it was cute and, you know, and it would just like, you know, it kind of, like a little cat would grab your hands and kind of bite and gnaw on it, but it didn't really hurt. And, you know, it was really cute. And you kind of turn it and it just a little play with the paw hit me in the chest. And I mean, like, whoa, <laughs> you could see <laughs> that what just what potential is in that young little animal once it grows up. I don't have any idea how much it weighed at that time, but it was obviously small enough that you put it on. The, and I just, I can remember to it, but anyway, uh, so it's interesting little, uh, uh, walk down memory lane, but no, it is interesting time for LSU in Texas. It, Texas has got right. LSU, LSU rice. LSU has got Northwest Louisiana. It, uh, it will probably hear a lot more of that, uh, in the off season as we get closer to the next season, the, the whole LSU, Texas discussion. <laughs> Has to be a special game for Ed Orgeron hosting Northwestern State, his alma mater. And also, um, his offense is one of the top talking points of the country. So, things are going well for Ed at this moment. It is. And, and obviously, there's a lot of excitement. You know, what I would say is, you know, and Ed's the type to embrace that. He's excitable, as, as you well know. The key is going to be getting that team to stay focused, to get better. And, um, you know, this is the type of game where you've got to challenge yourself to get better. And, and look, not not be focused on, hey, man, this is the best time we can, best year, the best chances ever to beat Alabama. That's way down the road, and they've got a lot of things to take care of. So a lot of excitement. But I always find it interesting how we we tend to – overhype things off of one or two weeks. That's kind of the way it is. But this LSU team is really good. I'm curious to see how they can complement their defense with their offense going forward. Because as I said before, if they continue to be the same type of pace as they were against Texas, then you're not going to see a great defense. The defense is going to be on the field too much. So that's going to be interesting. This game is going to be about a lot of points for LSU and not a whole lot of points for Northwestern State. Yep, I would agree with that. Coming up, we got Florida, Kentucky, Kent State, Auburn, uh, Lamar, Texas A&M, Southeast Missouri State, and Missouri Locked on SEC Football Podcast. With Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. More after this. You are Locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Uh, I would say uh, probably the premier matchup uh, across the the SEC, or at least in my mind, one of the most interesting ones, is Florida-Kentucky. I'll admit, at the beginning of the year at SEC Media Days, there were two factions of us in the media 
and it was one, no, Kentucky's got a foundation. They're built. They're good. Uh, I was the other guy. I thought seven losses in terms of starters on both sides of the ball, two once-in-a-generational type of players in Josh Allen and Benny Snell. I thought they'd take a significant step back. I'm beginning to second-guess myself, Chris. Well, listen, I, I, I think Kentucky under Mark Stoops is going to be what they are. I think they're going to be consistently good, but in terms of wins, I mean, I expected them to be two and zero. Now, if they beat Florida, then they start off, and then, then, you know, to me, nothing has happened to this point that has surprised me. Um, I'm disappointed, obviously, that Terry Wilson has lost. I, I think that's tough for the young man and for Kentucky, but. No, I think Mark is he's got the program where I think it's going to be. Now, when they can get like last year, where they can get to maybe like a nine wins, that may come every few years. I don't think that's sustainable year in and year out, but I think going to bowl games is. And I think that's where they are. And this team's going to a bowl game. And how many wins is going to determine on how well the opponents play. Like, for example, if Felipe Franks and this Florida offense plays well, they're going to win, and they're probably going to win decisively. If they don't play well, and we know we've seen that Felipe rear its ugly head at times. Um, if that happens and he starts turning it over to the Blue Jerseys, Kentucky's absolutely capable of winning. And I think that's the case with Kentucky, that there are teams that are better, that are more talented, but they are really, really sound and they usually don't beat themselves. Had two good backs. Defense is solid again. They don't have the elite playmakers. Receivers, are, I think the receivers are stepping up and playing well. Now, they've obviously got to come in uh, and, and replace, you know, the quarterback situation, which is, again, very difficult. And the young man that's coming in from Troy is, um, you know, Sawyer Smith did a decent job last year for Troy, but weren't you know, not type as dynamic as Terry Wilson, but I think can make good decisions and distribute the ball. So I think Kentucky is what it is. I, I think they, they are what I thought they were. Um, they start fooling around and maybe, uh, you know, beating Florida. I may think a little differently, but Florida's, I think, about an eight, nine point favorite, and I, I expect that to hold up. Kent State, Auburn, give me three things that you think you know about Auburn's offense? One, um, that the quarterback is getting better, but he's still young and has a ways to go. Two, Auburn's offensive line has been really disappointing in how they've played thus far. And for a team, for a unit that has as many returning guys, as many veteran guys, that surprises me. That needs to change or else they're not going to fare well once they go to Baton Rouge, and certainly Florida's going to be a challenge, and they would not match up well against Georgia or Alabama. So that, that to me, is the biggest thing, because from that, it comes down to their ability to run the football. And, and to me, I also think that that offensive line may get a little bit better, and then combined with the tempo getting a little bit better, that's going to allow their running game to have success, and that's, they're going to have opportunities to play in the passing game. Um, I, I, that's two. Third is this defense is really good, but you can't be putting them on the field over and over again and expect them to carry it in elite play in, in SEC play. Uh, that's not going to be the issue here. I'll cheat and give you a fourth one. The fourth one is they're a little bit banged up at receiver and need to get back healthy. So 
I think the thing that with Auburn, I'd sum it up by saying they're 2-0, but they're a little bit fool's gold. They're not as, you know, if you listen to the Auburn folks, it's, oh, boy, because the, the Oregon win. I think it's a 2-0 that looks a little bit sketchy at this point, and I think they need to figure it out, and they need to figure it out quick because I think tougher times are ahead in terms of competition, and right now, they're not ready for it. They need to get ready for it here in the next two or three weeks. Texas A&M Missouri game previews coming up next. Locked on SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hook. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Podcast with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. Check out LandryFootball.com to learn more about football than you ever thought you could. Chris has been uh, everything uh, practically in the football world. He's been a coach. He's been an administrator. He's uh, been a scout. And you'll learn more about the NFL college and more. Texas A&M, no real challenge in Lamar, I wouldn't think. uh, But uh, what are some things they can work on to make this a productive week? Well, listen, this is by, by their standards. Lamar's plays pretty good defense for their level. I think that um, a couple of things jump out at me. Um, offensively, need to find their rhythm again. I know it's going to be easier with the competition. Two, the secondary is not flipping the ball over. So they've got to do a little bit better job in those two areas. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the focus. Obviously, it's going to be a huge win. I don't even think there's a line on the game. Uh, they'll win, they'll win decisively. But if they're, again, coming out of it, you know, a little bit stronger is going to be key going forward. And then our final game preview, Southeast Missouri State uh, at Missouri. Uh, we, we look for Missouri to continue to uh, play well. But I, I want your thoughts on Kelly Bryant, what you've seen so far this season. Uh, well, a mixed bag. Obviously, very poor against Wyoming. Very good last week. Um, and, you know, I'm curious to see where he takes it this week. And, you know, I expect it to be really good um, against the Southeast Missouri team that doesn't really match up. But I thought it was impressive performance last week. I thought they did a really good job. Um, and I, he was really sharp. Uh, they ran the football well. They had really good balance. So um, I'm curious to see if, if that can continue. Um, you know, the performance uh, the Missouri against West Virginia is a whole lot better than Missouri against Wyoming. And that was, uh, I think that'll continue. This still has a team, despite that loss to Wyoming, it still has a chance to be a team that can be really, really good and get uh, a lot better going forward. So we'll see if they can continue to have this balance on offense and defense. They absolutely should in this uh, week's opponent. You're locked on SEC football. All podcasts enjoy the games everyone leave us a review be sure and subscribe and feel free to send us questions to landry football on twitter or at the dave hooker we'll talk to you monday and we'll have a complete review of all the games you're locked on the sec football podcast